Okay, okay, everyone. It is the book boat coming back for another episode and the last episode of season two. Um, I'm one of your co-hosts, Jocelyn. And I'm Alejandra. And it's just so crazy to think that this we're wrapping up season two. Um, I don't know. It's just it's so like I feel like it's all happening. Like we're wrapping up our first year teaching. We're wrapping up our second season of the book boat. It's so exciting. And yeah. I don't know, like, I don't know how I'm feeling. I'm feeling excited, a little sad that, you know, we're not going to have these recording sessions for a little bit because we are taking a break before season three. But yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's excited to be here right now. No, it really is um, kind of just like this awesome feeling because I'm thinking about like where this project started and where it's yeah. at now. And like, think about everything that's happened this season. We've had authors come in we've had um several guests come in yeah um and so i think that we're growing in this in just such a positive direction right now and even before this um we had to kind of tell ourselves to stop talking about next season <laughs> because alejandra and i are just right now like bouncing off ideas like "Ooh, let's do this let's do that mm -hmm. and we're trying to like kind of take our podcast to a, a little different level um and you'll see next season so this is telling you to stay to keep following us and saying, we don't want to give too much away, but kind of diving into that and seeing, or diving into a whole new level and seeing mm -hmm. where we can take this and bringing ourselves into it a little bit more. Yeah, no, and it's just crazy um, just hearing you say like, you know, everything that we've done. And I mean, it was about a year ago when this idea kind of like started because a year ago is when we were graduating, um, when we had to present it. It was a year ago, right? I was like, wait, it was? Um, when we were like presenting our master's project and then I was like, let's do a podcast. And then we're like, wait, let's really do a podcast. And here we are, um, you know, two seasons later. And like you said, it's, it's crazy to see the things that we've done, the guests that we've had. Um, it's, it's just really exciting. And it's making me really excited to see um, kind of how we continue to grow and hopefully this podcast, you know, um, get shared more and like more listeners and just there's a lot of exciting things happening and I'm super excited for the next season yeah um same thing just I think where we're going is gonna be amazing and we hope that you all just keep following us along even through our break you can go back and listen to us again <laughs> um or as we start kind of thinking about going back in person like that's going to be happening soon to a lot of yeah. us if it hasn't already. So maybe think about like, what do you want to include in your libraries? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, this year we were really lucky where a lot of books, you know, um, I shared with my students, there was videos of read alouds online. And I think that's awesome, but I just feel like there's nothing like holding a physical book. And I am so excited. Um, I haven't been in person this whole year. I've been distance learning, but I'm so looking forward to next year. If I am in person, um, that I'll have my library and like, I'll be able to like take pictures of it and hopefully post it on our Instagram yeah. um, and just share more of our classrooms. Cause I think we've both been um, distance learning. So that's something that we sadly couldn't feature on our podcast because, you know, we didn't have our physical classrooms decorated how they normally are. And yeah. um, I don't know that that'll be really awesome to be able to feature um, again next season. So yeah, like we're kind of selling it a little bit right now because we want you guys to subscribe and stay tuned because uh, there's a lot of exciting things happening. Yes. Um, so before we get too far ahead, along, too far ahead to our next season, um, just to kind of end our last season, we've decided to highlight some some awesome books that we have found 
Um, and this is a topic that we kind of both think is a little overdue, mm -hmm. but we are getting to it. And um, we both like these books. So Alejandra, take it away with yours. Yeah, I'm super excited. Like Jocelyn said, we've been wanting to cover this for a while, but you know, there's just a lot going on. But I was like, before the season ends, we definitely have to feature. Um, so we want to feature um, books that highlight, um, especially the Asian community, especially in light of everything that was happening um, this year. There was a lot of um, Asian hate crimes. Um, I, I noticed a lot here in the Bay Area and it made me really sad because the Bay Area is such a diverse place. And, um, you know, I, I never want a group of people to feel like they aren't welcome. So the book that I have for today is I Dream of Popo. Um, and it's written by Livia Blackburn and it's illustrated by Julia uh, Koo, I believe. Um, and it's this amazing book. Um, it's about a... Um, a little girl who is from Taiwan, I believe, and she is immigrating to America, San Diego specifically, um, but she's leaving um, behind her popo, her grandma. Um, so she's really sad, you know. Um, I think this book will really connect with a lot of my students who are coming here from different countries. It might not necessarily be exactly Taiwan, but in the story, the little girl just talks about all of her traditions um, and the things that she's going to miss um, and I just think it's super important, you know, that even though she is now living in San Diego, she still um, does a lot of um, things about her culture. Um, she will FaceTime with her grandma in one of the pictures you can see and they're eating like traditional food. And I think it was just super cute that she's still um, staying connected to her grandma. And it kind of shows her merging her two worlds in a way where when she landed in San Diego, you know, she felt strange um, saying or speaking um, in her language. And then it features her going back to visit her grandma. And now she was saying um, words in English and she felt like, you know, like this not fitting in thing. And um, it's just so funny because I always relate to it. I'm sure a lot of people have seen the Selena movie where she's like, I'm not Mexican enough for the Mexicans and I'm not American enough for the Americans. And that's something that I've definitely always felt where, you just didn't always feel enough. So I feel like this is such a great book for that. Um, I really like it. I think it's especially close to me because um, I unfortunately lost my grandmother earlier this year. So to have this story about this little girl um, living in America, talking about her grandmother who lives in a country, I definitely related to that. You know, I live here in the Bay Area and my grandma is or was in Mexico. Um, so I feel like this book is extra special to me. And I really liked it because um, both the author and the illustrator um, are also from Taiwan, I believe. Um, and they both spent time there. So I just felt like they um, could really do this book justice and like tell the story in such an authentic way. And they actually wrote, um, they each wrote an author's note at the end, kind of talking about their story. So I think it was super important. Um, and I just, I really love this book. I think it's a great book to have in your classroom library. Um, I really love the part how you connected it to Selena. <laughs> <laughs> I just yeah, love I that scene. It's so iconic. Yeah. I mean, it is definitely true of, especially being, having a culture that's not from the United States. Yeah. Um, and like me being Mexican growing up, um, I think it was always like, I go to my family and I'm considered whitewashed and then yeah. I'm here and everybody's like, oh, you're Mexican. And so yes. it's, 
there's this kind of like weird limbo of like what am I who am I um so it's it's good that this book kind of like touches upon that subject Mm -hmm. but I'm really excited to hear about your book what do you have for us today yes So I am doing Eyes That Kiss on the Corners, um, which is actually a really popular one. So I think a lot of our listeners probably have already read this one or at Mm. least seen it kind of circulating around by Joanna Ho. Um, And I really like this book because it talks about the character. She talks about how she, um, her eyes look different than somebody else. But then she also like describes like sometimes eyes are more round and like big and she's Mm -hmm. like, but not mine. Mine are eyes that kiss on the corner and are warm uh, like tea. And I love, I love that personification of her eyes because it's kind of saying more about her culture rather than being like, oh, she looks Asian because her eyes are like that. She's saying, no, there's more to it than that. Like I'm have eyes that kiss on a corner and tell a story and it tells my culture. Um, So she kind of talks a little bit about like um, her family and some of the things that they do. And it's very subtle too, because in the book, like she says like, oh, when we do activities or when we're uh, decorating and it's like, you can tell that they're like decorating for a certain holiday within her culture. Um, so you kind of see the subtleness of um, where she's from. And yeah, that was what I really enjoyed about that. Uh, so I keep thinking like eyes that kiss on the corners um, yeah. and are warm like tea. Um, so it just makes me think that there's more to a culture than just like yes, eyes may look different. Skin color may look different. Mm -hmm. There's just, there's more than that. There is a whole like other culture that just lives within that. So yeah. Yeah, no, I loved this book. And actually the author, I believe is from the Bay Area. Cause, um, (laughs) oh yeah, sorry. Go ahead. I don't want to interrupt. Go ahead. No, she's from the Bay Area and she's actually a principal, which when I was reading her bio, um, she's really, I, she has like a, like a serious bio for like people who are like looking at like the, what she's done, blah, blah, blah. And then she has yeah. like a bio and I love the goofy bio because she talks about eating ice cream at Marianne's. Um, oh. if you've ever been to Santa Cruz, there's Marianne's ice cream shop. And I absolutely love that ice cream. And so I was like, Oh, like, I felt like I could relate to her. I was like, she eats it too. Awesome. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was awesome because um, Alyssa, who was in the same cohort as us and listens to our um, podcast, I think they are in the same like school community. I know she's like talked to her personally. So I was like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. Um, And one of my coworkers actually, I think is good friends with her. um, And she, for my birthday, actually got me a signed copy of this book. so it's funny because I think I, I ended up getting two copies for my birthday. One was signed and the other one wasn't. But I'm like, oh, like the signed one's going to like sit at my desk so beautifully. Um, and I'll let the kids have the not signed version. Um, just because, you know, I, I don't I don't want anything to happen to that. But um, it's a beautiful story. And um, I don't know, like I loved both of the books that we had to share. And I think they're they're super important. Honestly, like, how do you not fangirl over that? Like, I would be like, <laughs> copy by an author right now. I would just yeah. be in a case. Like, yeah, that's, that's an awesome gift. Yeah, I know. I was like, oh, this is this is amazing. Um, I felt super super lucky. So, uh, if she's lis- if someone's listening that was involved in getting me this signed copy, thank you so much. I have it. It's gonna sit at my desk. Uh, oh. I don't know. Yeah, I'm I'm super excited. Yeah. Um, we did want to keep like we're definitely gonna feature these books. Um, the pictures and everything on our Instagram 
but we did want to also have enough time to wrap up because like we mentioned this is going to be our first year teaching that we are sorry that did not I did not say that very nicely we are wrapping up our first year teaching um and we actually wanted to kind of like talk to each other about it so we came up with five questions that we are both gonna kind of answer um just about our first year teaching so I'm really excited um I don't know should I ask you the question the first question Jocelyn or yeah how, go for all it right. all right so we're starting off with kind of uh not funny but like one that you wouldn't normally think I guess to ask but what was the worst lesson that you taught this year who um <laughs> I think I'm not gonna say to me, when I think of worst, I think I'm going to think of like when I felt frustrated at the end of it and yeah. the students felt frustrated. Yeah. Um, oh, and, wait, sorry. And maybe we should just remind them what grade we teach uh, oh, just in case they yeah. haven't. Sorry. I, go ahead. No, you're totally fine. So I teach sixth grade English. Um, and so being an English teacher, you have to do a lot of writing. And I was coming into a school like, and, and that's, a, I think the hardest to thing too about like, like coming to a fresh new school, you don't know how the students were the year before. Mm -hmm. And so I had no understanding of their backgrounds, their um, writing strengths, all of this. And so I just went full force because I mean, with distant learning, like I'd seen them write like exit tickets. I'm like, oh, it looks good. Like, but I had no idea like essay knowledge. Mm -hmm. um, and I started this writing like less learning segment and they were writing um, an argumentative piece about Percy Jackson and whether he was on a hero's journey or not. Um, and so I was like, okay, cool. Like in my mind, I totally see it. Like they're gonna argue a case as if Percy Jackson's being put on trial, like <laughs> all this cool thing. And then it came down to teaching it. And I literally, after that Zoom, I turned off my computer and cried for 30 minutes. Oh. Because um, yes, my students knew to write, um, but I, again, this was like, I think this also comes with like experience sometimes, um, in a learning, like teachers learn every year. And so now mm -hmm. I know that next year to kind of evaluate, um, writing abilities a little bit more and maybe kind of organize it differently as well as my learning segment. So yeah, um, the lesson was they were trying to come, trying to argue for this and, I thought it was going great and they were all like looking at me like through zoom nodding their head giving me thumbs up everything was wonderful it just happens all the time where yeah. i'm like all right do we get it like thumbs yeah. up if we get it and they're just super confident and then they go then, off on their own and it's like it was disastrous so i was like give me a thumbs up if you understand and then i called on students to be like okay exactly what are we doing here and they back what i had said to yeah. them awesome like they're getting it and then it came down to them actually completing that part of the writing mm -hmm. and they all looked at me and they were like what is an introduction oh and I was like what and they're like yeah what is an introduction of an essay and I was like oh no 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 and so I was like, what yeah. do you mean? And they're like we don't know what you're supposed to do in an introduction and then so then I was trying to explain that and it wasn't going through mm -hmm. because at that point um there was just a lot of so they all looked at me and I was like how about we start to fresh tomorrow and we were we were both like my students were both like okay and I was like okay and then I closed my laptop and cried because what I had failed to realize is uh realize and now I know is that my students were not coming in with had not yet developed this the mm -hmm. writing abilities of like 
boom, let's just crank out an introduction. A lot of them had not had that experience. And I, like my student teaching was done in third grade where students knew what an introduction was. And Mm -hmm. um, I think that was like my biggest mistake is that I just had assumed that, boom, they can write this like nothing. And that helped me because for the rest of the year, like I knew to break down the writing. I did lessons on like what an introduction is supposed to be, like figuring out the purpose of an essay, um, all the stuff I came up with, like a cool introduction formula, color-coded things. So they, they understand it a lot better now. Um, hopefully we'll see in state testing in two weeks. But, <laughs> but yeah, that was just kind of one of those moments that I stopped and had to really think about taking a moment back and being like, okay, like I need to break this down a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and it, I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm happy for that because on my notes, I like made notes for next year's lessons mm-hmm. and I'm like, have a week's worth long essays of purpose of essays, like breaking yeah. down each part. What's the purpose of an introduction? What's the purpose of like the body paragraphs and a conclusion? So mm-hmm. now that, so when I do ask for writing at writing, um, they can just complete it or complete the task. So yeah, that was my worst lesson. Oh, that, that's tough. Cause it's like you said, like, you're so excited to like do this thing, but then yeah. I love that you took the ownership of like, Oh, like this was on me. Like I should have, you know, known this, but Oh yeah, that's, that's tough. Um, yeah. I think for me, um, I'm trying to like, I, I was trying to think, not that I ha- I've had a few not great lessons, but um, I'm going to think of like a bigger overall picture where this year we adopted this new curriculum where it was a lot about like, um, I don't know, a lot of like self-esteem and like learning about yourself, and which I think is great. I think it's great that we have it. I'm not going to put the name of the curriculum out just because I don't want to, I don't know if other people maybe love it and I just don't love it, mm-hmm. but I'm going to go back even further because, uh, this was a new curriculum. So we got the like tools, the boxes and everything. I was driving to school to go pick it up. Um, I think it was like the weekend or like right before Halloween. Um, and then I was driving to my school, which is only about 10 to 15 minutes from my house. So it's really not that far. Um, I was going there, I was on the freeway and I get rear ended. And I was just like, oh. oh my God, like I'm only leaving the house to go pick up this curriculum and I get rear-ended. So of course I like text my principal. I'm like, hey, I'm going to be late because I just got into a car accident. So I had to deal with all of that. And this was um, really like my first major accident. I have never been in an accident before. Um, so I go, I pick up the curriculum. I'm already kind of like annoyed with it myself because I'm like, I've already like had a bad experience kind of going to pick it up and now I'm going to go get it. Um, I went and I got it and a lot of the materials they had were for in-person and we were on Zoom and I'm, how am I going to make this work? Like there was posters and like little cars that they have to have and things like that. Um, And then, so I teach third grade. I teach bilingual third grade. I teach in Spanish Mm -hmm. and English. The curriculum that I was given was given all in Spanish. Um, I am a native Spanish speaker. I can speak it conversationally pretty well. Um, you know, more formal is where I kind of struggle with and reading is where I struggle with because I was never like taught to read in Spanish. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course the teacher manual is all in Spanish and oh, I'm, God, no. <laughs> there's no pictures. Um, it's all like 
kind of a script that I'm supposed to read to them. And I'm like, oh my goodness, like, how are they going to sit here on Zoom, like listening to me read this like 10 minute story and hoping they don't doze off while they're laying in their beds? Like they are going to doze off. Um, yeah. Another issue that I had was um, I wasn't aware of, but I have to request the worksheets that go with it, like a few days in advance or else like, I don't have the worksheets from this company. And then after a week, those worksheets like disappear unless I save them all to my computer. So it was just a mess. So whenever I try to teach from this curriculum, I was like, I, I hated it. I did not do as well as I should have with my commitment of teaching it two times a week. Um, uh, I mean, I, I hope that my student, I've taught the main idea of it, which was like to be good kids, to get along yeah. with each other, to make positive actions, um, things like that. But I don't know. I just, I really struggled with that curriculum this year. I, I wanted to like it, but I feel like from the very beginning, we had a very love hate relationship and it was, it was not not my proudest moment. <laughs> and that's like the funny thing about curriculum is sometimes when I look at the curriculums that were kind of like assigned to teach, mm -hmm. I think about like who invented this? Like, yeah, who, who thinks that it's logical for teachers that have to request yeah. um, worksheets and then disappear. Um, yeah. And it's like the curriculum I'm teaching now, that first unit, which was mm -hmm. the whole, like that I had my worst lesson on, um, is after that first unit, I looked at my ELA, like lead person at my school and I looked at her and I was like, I am sorry, but this curriculum is not <laughs> going to work. And yeah. she, she looked at me and she was like, thank you. She's like, I've been trying to tell the other ELA teachers, use this as a guide. You're mm -hmm. the first one that's actually going to just like scrap it, take the main yeah. ideas and do your own lessons. And I, <laughs> but yeah, like, I don't think people who design curriculums really always think about, every student yeah. or and it's hard in general and yeah and it's really hard because um you know I've seen veteran teachers where they don't really use the curriculum and you know that's fine they've had years yeah. of experience um I think for me as a first year teacher the curriculum I saw it as like you know this is gonna help me because I don't know what I'm doing yet and this is like yeah. somewhat of a guide so it was really unfortunate that, you know, I felt like I didn't have that guide, but you know, um, it's a lesson learned. I'm going to be more prepared for next year. Um, but yeah, definitely look at your curriculum. Um, but you know, I'm sure, I don't know how strict schools are, but if your school isn't, you know, just feel free to take the main ideas or, you know, what works yeah, best. Absolutely. Um, next question. How did we stay organized over distant learning? <laughs> Whew. I think this is a good one because, I mean, if you've ever walked into a teacher's classrooms, sometimes they look so Pinteresty and just yeah. amazing. And then other times it looks like a tornado just blew through it. And I think <laughs> that people think like, oh, you're distant teaching. Um, you're not going to need as many supplies or you're not going to, you're not going to use as much space. And I was actually surprised at how much space I needed. <laughs> I'm curious where you taught. Where were you, where were you teaching? Um, so I was teaching from home. Okay. Um, if anybody's watching our YouTube channel, you <laughs> um, but I wanted to kind of make lessons a little bit more interesting. And like mm -hmm. my school was required, was requiring us to use Pear Deck, which is okay. great, but students kind of get like bored of that rhythm of oh, yeah. participate on Pear Deck. And so I started bringing in posters. So I just moved my desk to a wall where there's not anything behind it. Mm -hmm. um, and even that, like, 
there was a point where I walked in here and it was just like poster central because I would take the posters because <laughs> I teach I teach English but I teach two separate cohorts and so I take yeah. one from cohort A and stick it there and then have B's and before you know it I was just sitting here and I was like what am I going to do with all because the teachers <laughs> we're, we're there's not a lot of posters order, but yeah. we keep our posters because we see which ones we're going to use for next year and so you Definitely. can just like copy over the cute design or the format mm-hmm. of it and then you would just leave it blank for when you finish it yeah. and I was just kind of like oh man <laughs> lots of going on there um but yeah so how did I stay organized I think what started to help me was having a desk I think really helped um because I can leave work here mm-hmm. I can say I'm closing my laptop and I am done for today yeah. Um, as opposed to like, if maybe if I was like teaching from the couch or teaching downstairs from the kitchen. Um, so it was that kind of helped me stay organized to know, okay, anything school-wise needs to be in this desk shape. Yeah. If not, like if it's got cubbies too. Um, I was like, if not, it's got to go. Um, my posters, I keep underneath my bed <laughs> um, because Aww. my closet is full of clothes and um, I do have roommates. And so all our shared like closets and stuff have other house stuff um and I didn't go back to like I don't teach from school yeah so I think it was always that um I didn't want to have to take all my materials and then have to bring them home if I decided mm-hmm. to teach from home so that's how I stayed organized just finding places to put things yeah in. yeah no um I also thought I was like oh I'll be at home I'll like need less stuff um at first I definitely wanted to teach in person just because, um, you know, I didn't want to like inconvenience the people that I live with and things like that. Um, I did my first few lessons at school and the Wi-Fi was awful, like terrible. So I was just like, this is not going to work. I'm paying for Wi-Fi at home. Like I'm paying for great Wi-Fi at home. I'm going to sit at home and teach. Um, so yeah, again, I did distance learning for the whole year. I did the dining room table thing and my dining room table is covered with binders and I actually had this little like crate that I would take to and from school mm-hmm. um, and that holds like a lot of my manuals and worksheets and things like that that I really needed um, but on my desk I'll have like um, my attendance and things like that so I tried to keep my tabs open to what I would need I think that's what really helped as well um, Google Classroom really helped. I separated that by the week and that was a really great thing. Um, sorry, I'm getting distracted. No, you're perfect. Um, I organized my Google Classroom by week and that's what really helped. Um, I would give the students like their daily homework worksheet thing and then that really helped. But I will say the biggest benefit or the biggest thing that helped with distance learning was having a second monitor. I have no idea what I did pre-second monitor I'm like I could never go back now like mm-hmm. th- this is this is just here to stay no absolutely um we have I don't have like a second monitor but we have like separate laptops that our work has provided yeah and you don't realize like how um much that actually matters to like have something on here and then have like your main lesson here so yeah, yeah I think a second monitor was key for a lot of teachers this year yeah, yeah I, I will say my Apple Pencil definitely helped, but I somehow misplaced it the last two months. So. You need the Apple tags now. Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah, 
I definitely do. But I don't know how I would have stuck it to my pencil, but I, my pencil is somewhere. I would like to find it. But yeah, yeah. The second monitor was definitely a way I stayed organized. Um. So going to our next one, what was the best lesson of this year? Um. I think the best lesson of this year was, you know, the worst one was with writing. The second one was the best one was with writing as well. <laughs> um, I think it's because I learned how to break down the writing. Yeah. And so the second writing piece of this year was writing a narrative piece about being in the middle ages. Mm -hmm. And I am just blown away at how well some students did. Like this was the first time a lot of students have written more than a paragraph. Oh. Uh, and they were able to write four to five. So it was really cool. And it allowed them to add a little bit of their, their own personal lives into it with like looking over, um, like adding like family members or pets into their story. And so I think that made it really enjoyable as well. So that was probably my best lesson of the year. I'm curious, which one was first? The, the worst one. Oh, okay. <laughs> the one about the hero's journey. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, but I think that just shows that you were growing as a teacher and kind of like mm -hmm. learning what was going to work best for your students. Yeah. I think that was the first time that like the students were writing and I was like, wow, like, <laughs> and I told them, you guys are sounding amazing. Like you're blowing me away. And I think for them to hear that too has increased their um, confidence in writing. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Um, I think for me, my best lesson, I mean, I hope it's the one I'm going to, I still haven't finished CalTPA. I mean, I recorded it, but I haven't done the paperwork, but I will say, I think that was my best lesson. Um, we actually did a research project and the students got to pick an animal of their choice. And then we did mm -hmm. research on it. Um, but what I really liked was um, I did this in small groups. So I did it first with a group of five students. We, um, we're on Zoom for about an hour each day working on this project. And it was just really nice because we did it all on Jamboard. And on the first slide, like we did like a KWL chart. And then on the second chart, we did like this verb, um, this verb, like, um, I don't know, like key, like things that we would know, like for example, um, diet, you know, like they wrote the definition and things like that. Um, and then for the second one, they filled in a graphic organizer and then Anyways, by the end of it, they had this whole slideshow on the animal that they learned about. And I think it was just, even to them, like they looked back and they were like, wow, like look at everything we did throughout the week. And it was just really exciting. Yeah. And I think um, it just went so well. And at the same time, I'm like looking back at it and it's kind of frustrating where my best lesson was with like a group of five students. And of course it was Cal TPA. So like, I really put in a lot of energy into it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that, I mean, that obviously helped, but it's also yeah. kind of unfortunate because I can't always put in all that same energy I put in to this lesson that I can to every single lesson. But I mean, it just goes to show like when I'm sitting there, like really trying to plan it out, like lessons can work really, really well. And also when it's like a really small group of students, um, but it was just really great. It was great for them to see kind of like where they had started, not knowing anything about this animal to now being like experts on this animal. So it was a lot of fun to see them. I don't know, kind of grow into these animal experts. And I love that you were able to track that, like that the students were able to track their own growth. Yeah. So that I love lessons where they can see how they've grown so much. Yeah. So Cause I mean, we can only tell them so much, but for them to see it and like be really aware of it, I think is 
I don't know. I think that's what's special. Yeah. I love that. Um, next question. How do we stay sane slash practice self-care? <laughs> oh God. Um, I think it's, well, especially during distant learning, what helped is having set hours. Like mm-hmm. I'm not going to be past my laptop past a certain time. Or I'm not going to be. And I know that there's some teachers who work until like 9 PM yeah. and that is great great for them. Like, I love that for them. Um, but I was realizing at the beginning of the year, I was staying told like 9 PM, 10 PM planning lessons. Mm-hmm. And then I would go to bed stressed because it still wasn't done. And then I would get really bad sleep. And then I would wake up in the morning and just still be stressed. So I realized like, you know what, if it doesn't get done within a certain time, that's fine. But it also allowed me to kind of efficiently manage my time a little bit better of being like, I'm only going to work on this till 4 p.m. today. So (laughs) I need to make sure I'm getting my list done and I would make lists. Um, I think I also, I exercise. Mm. Exercise is a big form of like staying sane. So on those days where I was like really frustrated with like how the, like the lesson that went terribly wrong for me, I went um, afterwards and my gym is outside um, due to COVID. So they, like, I just, just go there and just forget about it for a little bit. Um, and this is probably sad to admit, but alcohol. (laughs) (laughs) It helps a lot of us during COVID. (laughs) Yeah. Not, uh, not in like, I abuse it sense of way, but I think sometimes, um, and I think it helps living with two other female roommates who love wine. Mm -hmm. Um, but we would sit there and just kind of, I would have a stressful day from work and I have a, a wine glass that says after school snack. And I would just, you know, one, I'd just pour myself one, sit there and kind of like vent to them, talk to them. And we'd all sit there and have like a glass of wine and enjoy it. So I think that's really helped too. Yeah. And it's, it's good that, um, I don't know, like you found your set hours. Cause I was thinking back my first year teaching, like I was definitely one of those people that was like staying so, so late. Um, but I think during COVID, especially it felt really hard because again, I'm teaching from my dining room, like, um, or I haven't like it's so bad, but I have my applications on my phone. So like I'd get messages from parents and I'm just like, oh, like, it's going to just be so quick if I just reply right now, you know? Um, but I definitely started to, you know, set those boundaries for myself. And I was like, you know what? It's, it's six, seven o'clock at night. Like it, they can hold off until tomorrow, you know, it'll be fine. Um, I think another thing was definitely, especially early on in the year when COVID was still a big thing and we couldn't go out, like, to see people, I would go on a lot of walks. I think that really helped. I would put my headphones in, listen to music and just go for a walk. And it was super nice. Um, I think now that things are getting a little bit more relaxed and I'm able to see friends, I think um, spending with time with friends has been great. And I think something Jocelyn and I have talked about is a lot of times people think they have this idea of what teaching is, but I think unless you're a teacher, like you don't, necessarily know how difficult it can be so I am super thankful for like the teacher friends that I've had and them being there for me to like vent or just complain about something was really nice um and of course like I would listen to them as well and just kind of getting to like let it all out and not like let it build up um helped but yeah no definitely going out with friends was been super great and just doing things that are very different from teaching. Cause as much as I love teaching, like I have to set those boundaries or else we're going to get burnt out. Exactly. And I think, I I mean, teachers have one of the highest burnout rates amongst like Mm -hmm. all the professions. So I think it is healthy for us to sometimes set those boundaries and be like, no, I am not going to work past 6 PM today. Like it's okay. 
um, to take that. And I, and I get both sides of the argument of, um, well, like teaching is an all, an all energy consuming job because you're trying to create these engaging lessons and sometimes yeah. they do take hours. Um, so I, this goes back to what you had said about, we talk about, there's so much that goes on with teaching that people don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's like, I can plan a lesson in an hour. Is it going to be good? Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> we're not adding the things that we need to add. We're not like different differentiating in, like instruction. We're not mm -hmm. making it engaging. It's boring. Um, and so I think it, it's good to set those boundaries and being like, you know what, I can just pick this up tomorrow mm -hmm. um, and work on it when I can. And I think that also like being first year teachers, we're developing our own curriculum. I think next year it's going to be a lot easier for us. Oh, yeah. I did this lesson. Let's repeat it and do it again. Um, so I think that's going to free up a lot of our time. Yeah. And especially because it was over Zoom and everything was online, like so many teachers were having to create absolutely oh, all of these like lesson plans and things like that and it was exhausting yeah. but um our last question what is like something positive something good that you are taking from or that came from this year your first year teaching um i think i learned a lot about myself as a teacher um and i love how resilient a lot of teachers were this year i know that you've probably our listeners have probably seen things about how exhausting teaching is or how this year drained us and how this year probably is going to make a lot of teachers quit. Um, but I think those posts are going around, but we're, uh, what a lot of people don't realize is teachers are really resilient. Yes, we were probably annoyed at Zoom and sometimes Zoom would <laughs> crash and sometimes I'd cry. Um, but it's made me realize who I am as a teacher. What matters most is the students. And sometimes like even through distant learning, I would just tell the students like, you can take a break. Like it's it, it's ridiculous to me that we were, some some schools were requiring students to be on Zoom for like four oh, plus hours. I was like, I, I can't know. even be on Zoom for an hour without wanting to cry. And yeah. so I would just read how my students were reacting and be like how, and I like learned to just be, you know what, we all need a break. We're not mm -hmm. learning to the best of our ability. And sometimes it's okay to just be like, I will pick this up tomorrow. So then I would be like, let's watch a movie instead. Let's watch <laughs> a documentary. Let's watch Finding Nemo. Um, and it's just realizing that I think who I am as a teacher is realizing like this year made me realize that it's even through distant learning, I'm still putting my students first. I'm still putting their needs first. Um, yeah. And that was awesome to see that even throughout all of this, the main reason I wanted to be teaching, I was able to accomplish it. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. And it kind of goes with, with kind of mine. Um, it's so funny because every year I love the class that I'm with. And my biggest worry is that I'm not going to love the next class as much as I loved my previous class. And I think this year I was especially nervous because we were starting off on Zoom. Mm -hmm. um, we weren't going to have those I don't know, like those moments that you have in the classroom. Um, so I was just really worried that we were not going to be able to kind of become like that family that we normally do in the classroom. And I don't know, I, I, I'm kind of amazed that somehow it managed to happen over Zoom. Um, I am so, so lucky with the students that I got this year. I think they are absolutely amazing. And I'm also absolutely 
crushed and sad that we did not get to spend those time like that time in person in class Mm -hmm. um and I tell them all the time that next year if we're in person when they're fourth graders to come and visit me or wave to me because they're gonna have like such a special place in my heart because they are the class that I did distance learning with um and it's just nice to see that um even on zoom they were able to build friendships they were able to have these little jokes with each other you know we have these I don't know they like pick up on things that I say or um I don't know we still manage to become a family and I think um again this year was hard it was on zoom many of us are complaining about zoom uh, but I'm just so lucky that I was lucky enough to have an amazing group of kids um, that throughout all the difficulties, we were able to kind of build a family. And I hope um, that in the future, they remember this year, not as like a really, really hard year, but a year mm-hmm. where we kind of were on Zoom and we were having fun and, and hopefully you did a little learning, but um, yeah. we still we still managed to build that connection. And um, again, this year, I am very worried that next year I will not love this my next group as much as I love this group, but I'm sure, I'm sure I will. We always will love them. It's who we are as teachers. But if you follow Alejandra on a personal account, you realize, and I love this, I've been like watching these all year long and it's something that I'm actually planning on doing next year is that she was having her um, student, like whosever birthday it was, they pick a drawing. And I was like, that is like an animal to draw. And I was like, that is such a great way to like build classroom community is just letting like the birthday person pick like, hey, today, like, let's take a moment to just draw. Um, So that's definitely something I'm going to take into, even if we're (laughs) in person next year, I definitely will be like, I'm going to pull up my YouTube and be like, let's all draw for a little bit. But yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, selfishly, I love birthdays. I think they're great. I love celebrating my birthday, January 12th, in case anybody wants to, you know, celebrate me. Um, But no, like I, I try to make a big deal for my students. Like I would give them a birthday crown and we'd get like um, this little birthday card and I would usually give them like a book and things like that. And um, it was tough because my first birthday was right at the beginning of the year. So I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, like, I don't know what I'm going to do. So it changed a little bit. But the one thing that stuck is that my birthday student would get to pick. um, uh, We we looked it up on YouTube and then we um, would find a video. They would get to draw it and we would draw it together as a class. And all the kids would like show the picture that they drew. And it was just a nice way to, like you said, like build that classroom community. And I just wanted that kid to feel special that one day. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that is it for us today. Um, it's like I said, it is kind of sad that we're ending season two because the season was amazing. Um, but before we end it, I just kind of want to say a little bit, thank you to everyone who's listened, um, to all our new followers and thank you to everyone who's come and was a guest on our show. Um, you don't realize how happy that really made Alejandra and I to have authors come on here and to have people who we went to school with, um, it really truly makes us really happy um, to know that there's people out there listening and caring. Um, But yeah, that's it. Hopefully you all stay tuned for season three and it's gonna be amazing. Yeah, like Justin said, thank you so much to everybody. Um, I don't know, yeah, thank you for sticking, you said it great. Thank you for sticking with us. Um, We look forward to seeing what adventures are out there for season three. So please make sure to to keep listening to us. 
Um, so with that, I will close it out for season two. So please make sure to subscribe to our podcast. We are on all major podcast platforms. Um, give us a rating on Apple, I believe is where you can rate us. Five stars would be amazing. This is the end of season two. Let us know how we did. Woo. Please, please, please leave a review. Um, follow our YouTube. One of the benefits with all of this is that we started it on Zoom. So we have been able to record. So you want to see all of our weird hand movements that we do. I talk a lot with my hands. Um, there is a blooper reel coming out. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> so follow our YouTube um, and follow our Instagram to stay up to date with all the latest news. Um, and that is at the underscore book boat. Um, we will hopefully be posting throughout you know, our little break, because I'm sure we're going to be finding great books. So again, follow us on Instagram at the underscore book boat and give us a like on Facebook at the book boat. Um, but that is a wrap for season two. Thank you, everybody. Woo, thank you.